family. Good to see everybody. We're going to have a great night tonight. I don't know if you got to do the chapter yet, chapter 11. It is so good. I mean, I'm super excited about diving in and just, it really goes right along with what we talked about on Sunday, putting the go in gospel. We're talking about evangelism, but we're talking about power evangelism tonight. That means we're going out not on our own, but in the power of the Holy Spirit working with us. And we're going to talk about signs, miracles, and wonders, and what that means, and how that feeds into the go of the gospel. So that'll be tonight. And uh, Jason, our youth pastor, is going to uh, share something and invite us to do something. So, Jason, go ahead, bro. Hey, everybody. So, tonight, after our service, or after your service, at 7.30, when everybody is done, we're going to do what is called a fire tunnel. Now, we did this last year, and uh, it's quite powerful, if you ask me. But essentially, what I'm going to ask of you is to make your way into here. We're going to be playing worship songs at the end. And we're going to instruct the kids to do a single file line. And essentially what I'm requiring of you guys is to make, you know, like a, one of those old-time dance tunnels where everybody dances <laughs> down the middle. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray for each and every kid very intentionally. And I would ask that you listen as they walk through. And last time we did it, it was very quick. Like the kids were kind of sprinting through. <laughs> but I want them to... I want each kid, I want to take a couple minutes for them to make it through. Each kid should be like two to three minutes because we really want to pray over them, each and every person. And if you feel something for a kid, if the Lord is telling you something, please speak that over them and pray for them. And they need love. They need affirmation. But most of all, they need words from the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to just kind of line up in a U fashion, starting from... Uh, the back of the chairs around and then back to the stage so they will make a U and just um, listen and then give what the Holy Spirit gives to them and uh, I think it's going to be very powerful usually by the end they're just shaking because they're so full but anyway cool That's great. all right we'll do that so Think in these terms, speaking life over them. You know, we, we, I talk a lot about speaking destiny over the next generation. It's Everyone has a destiny. I mean, we're going to talk about the first Sunday in uh, September as we are our first weekend of being officially, we're going to kick off a series, our first weekend of officially being, welcome back, being Bridge Church. Um, we're, when we make that turn, we're going to kick off a series called Awakenings. And we're going to talk about what are we awakening to. We talk about spiritual awakening. There's all kinds of awakenings. You follow the, through the book of Ephesians, there's all kinds of awakenings. And the very first one is awakening to your destiny. And so I don't know if you've noticed, there's a theme sort of rising up as we're walking through here. On Sunday, we talked about blowing the dust off of the dirt, the debris, and the, the dust of your dreams that God has given you, the God dreams. And so uh, be praying with me and with us together for this Sunday as, as we're going to be talking about um, prepared or ready for launch is the title of the sermon for this Sunday. It's kind of a one-off. It's not a part of a series. But it is going to be speaking directly into and carrying on that, uh, that can of worms that we opened up on Sunday, which that can of worms is the dream that God's put in your heart. So if you'll notice, there's a theme in this that I believe that God is actually calling us up 
and calling us out to begin to put action to the things that are in our heart to do. And the biggest key to that is that faith for it and power for something often do not come until you step out into it. So tonight as we go over and we get to speak life over the students, you, you don't have to be, don't, don't feel pressure to come up with something. You just, if the Lord speaks something to you, if not, if not, just say, I speak life over you. I speak destiny over you. I speak your, your future's in God's hands. You can say things like that. You're so loved. You're so valuable. See what I'm saying? So don't feel like you go back there, you've got to get a download from Throne Central. It's okay. You may not. But you might. So we want to have that freedom. So don't avoid that thinking, ooh, I don't really flow that way. It's okay. We're just speaking life over them. And how powerful is it for young people to hear people our age, a little bit older than them, amen, speaking destiny over them, speaking life, almost a, you've got this, you can do it. God's got you. He's got your back. And so we're just going to do that, and it'll be a sweet time. How many of you participated in the last one we did? It was, it was so sweet, so sweet. Of course, some of the students were kind of awkward about it, you know, like, oh, shucks, you know. It's kind of like, oh, man, this is embarrassing, you know. And some of them had the cool factor up. But I'm telling you, things are going into their heart and into their spirit, whether they're outside showing it or not. You remember when you were cool, right? <laughs> yeah. We all had the cool factor going at one time, right? So we were like, don't let anybody know. But I'm telling you, even in the midst of that, God made deposits into your life. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get started tonight. I'm super excited where we're going. Yes, ma'am. I bring you all greetings from Randy Frazee. Oh, yeah. He'll probably come visit us this fall. He's been keeping track of what's happening. Wonderful. He's in Kansas City. And let me tell you that revival has come to Kansas come City. Come on. That is so awesome. I love Randy's passion for getting the church outside into the community. Love that. 100 churches from Kansas City come together to begin Financial Peace University. Oh, wow. It's just That's huge. incredible. What the Lord can say? I love my church. <laughs> I love my church. Uh, going along with the kids, we went this weekend to the wedding of our youngest granddaughter, Five years ago, she was here. We had rescued her from Kansas City, mm. crawling out of windows at night, doing everything that you should never do. And the ladies of the sewing group here are responsible for what Olivia is today. Mm. I brought her with me because I couldn't leave her alone. She sewed with them. She went home and sewed and brought things back. She was still as ugly as she had been. But within six months, she texted me and said, Grandma, I've, expect, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. <laughs> Praise so, God. You never know is what I'm talking about. Wow, it's good. You never know. Simple thing of sewing. And, met, and then her husband gave a testimony. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It was just incredible. Because our family... Our family were all raised this way. We had a really tight family. But unfortunately, it's not like that anymore. Mm. And to hear those kids, hear those kids share their testimony, 
but Randy was Randy. I didn't yeah. realize he'd been there over a year. I know. But their kids are all still in San Antonio, so they come at least twice a year. And okay. He will come and see us. He remembers the days of the rock ball. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, That's great. Go anywhere you know a pastor, go visit him. Yeah, speak life into yes. him. It's yes. beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Do you all remember the story I told you of um, when I went to, when I was in the sixth grade and I went to a slumber party and the mom hijacked all of us and took us to church? <laughs> remember that? It was a complete, uh, complete kidnapping situation. And it was there that I heard the gospel at Little Flint Avenue Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. Well, you know, that little group of knuckleheaded boys, we all grew up, right? You know, that was six, we were in the sixth grade. As you can imagine, that was eons of time ago. So... What happened is, I get a private message on, uh, on Facebook, Messenger, from a guy named Norman Hill. And he says, hey, I saw your message at Oak Hills. I watched it online. So it really touched my heart. And he started sharing with me what God's been doing in his life. He's been through some rough patches. And he shared with me what God's doing. He said, I want to come to your church. I want to come visit you. Norman Hill, it was his mother that took us to that little Baptist church where I heard the gospel. So I wrote him back just today and said, hey, do you remember that slumber party? I connected the dots. I haven't heard back from him yet. But isn't that crazy that in these connections are kingdom oriented and you never know in your life when those things will come back around. That's why I say this, never burn a bridge that you may have to cross again. And it's amazing how people just burn relationships right and left. And, you know, you go down the street from here in this town, we're going to see you at HEB or Walmart. It's just going to happen. We're going to see you at the movie theater. We're going to see you somewhere. And it's just don't... you got to understand something. The greatest assault is on relationship by the enemy. The enemy wants to destroy and divide, divide and conquer. And the reason is, is because the very reason God created you and me was for relationship. He's after the very heart of what God, his intent was when he created the spinning ball called the world. And so it's no surprise that the greatest assaults, pain, trauma, and drama in our lives and the greatest highs, the greatest joys of our life come from the same thing, and that's relationships, right? So just know, just know that you never know what's going to come back around. I haven't even done the math. I'm almost scared to at this point to see, okay, I was in the sixth grade then. How old was I? I mean, I hadn't even thought about that yet, but it's, it's amazing all these decades later that I get a message from a friend of mine whose mom was responsible for kidnapping me, making me go to church, and me hearing the gospel and going, oh my gosh, maybe this stuff's real. So I was thanking him and laughing about his mom taking us to that, surprising us with that little van ride to the church and uh, how, how that changed my life and impacted my life. Isn't that amazing? So again, Kingdom Connections. You guys go to Kansas City, you get to see Randy and connect him and reconnect. I can't, I'd love for him to pop in on us. Maybe we just throw a banjo on him, let him play, right? He loves to do that. Let's just dive in. Let's pray as we get started. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus. Right now, we open our hearts and our minds. I'm asking, Father, even more than that, that you would open our eyes, that we would begin to see, and we become spiritually awake, 
that we would awaken to what already is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, you love us so much that you had your son present us to you holy, blameless, and unaccusable in your sight. You have made us to be that. And so we're grateful. Tonight we turn our attention to your scripture and to this, this missional mandate. And I ask, Father, that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives. And we welcome and receive that which you have for us tonight. Father, I believe that one word from you tonight could change the trajectory of a life. So we lean into it and we're listening for one word from you. Talk to us. We're listening. Our hearts are open to you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone said? Amen and amen. So, we're looking at chapter 11. If you have your purple book, if not, it's going to be in the screen. And so, we're going to dive right in. Matthew 28, you probably figured out by now, I kind of like this scripture. Uh, we tend to go back to this a lot because this is our apostolic mandate. That means a missional or missionary mandate. It's, it's a command. It's an imperative. All authority, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he was airlifted, right? Right before he was gone. And he says this. This is like his last command uh, in, in that passage right there in Matthew uh, while he was just before he ascended. He says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore go. Now remember what that means. I talked about this on Sunday and taught on this. The, the Greek, if you break it down, actually says as you are going. Hey, Sabrina, as you are going, think about that. I love that. I love what the Greek says. There's so many gems in the, in the original language that sometimes our English translations just don't capture it. That's why you have to read 15 translations to get an idea of what something says sometimes. But you have to dive in, and, and I love deep diving. I'm so thankful that Dr. Frankie Rainey put that heart in me to know the Scripture, to know the words, and dive into the original languages so Dr. Roark so thankful for those men in my life that opened my heart to that. So, diving into the scripture, it says this, as you are going, disciple the nations. In other words, where you live, where you work, and where you play. You don't have to be a missionary, you already are a missionary. I love the fact that Kate and Austin, by the way, they landed in Ireland. They're, they're just, it was like 58 degrees when he texted me yesterday. I'm like, you're just bragging now, you know. <laughs> Because it was 100 at my house. So when I got that text, he's just like, oh, man. So I, they're there. They're doing great. They're getting settled in and, and uh, enjoying just cool weather and, and making us all jealous. So bless them. But as they go to Ireland, we would say they're missionaries. But here's the bottom line is you're a missionary, right, Sarah? We're a missionary where we are. We can go to Mexico, we can go to Ireland, we can go to Europe, we can go wherever, but we are missionaries where we live, where we work, and where we play. And we're to, as we are going, share the gospel. And sharing the gospel doesn't always mean just sharing the plan of salvation. How mechanical can that be? How robotic can that be? How impersonal can that be? It's more sharing the life that's in you. Here's what you have that maybe somebody doesn't have that you're sharing your life with, and that is your story. Right. They don't have your story. And so we've got to get to the point where we learn how to tell our redemption story. What has God done? What is he doing? How amazing. If it wasn't for God, but God, that redemption story needs to be told. Steve?
Is it still there? Praise the Lord. It's a little wider than it used to be. I've noticed that. I'm locking that. I'm locking the, the space. Hey, I'm still hanging out at HEB. So I, if I see you, let's have church, right? So uh, thank you, Steve, for that. As you are going, listen to this. He says this, therefore, and you always got to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Why is it there? It means something has gone before it to set up what he's about to say. That's what a therefore is. In other words, in summary, I'm saying, or in conclusion, I'm saying, or let me tell you what this means. That's what the therefore is there for. And he says this, he has been given authority, but he is now giving us authority. This is what's amazing. This is what's spectacular. I met with a group of guys to pray today at lunch, and we meet every Wednesday at the prayer house here in town. And, and the conversation came around to, what is spiritual awakening? When we ask the Lord to open our eyes that we may see, and I said, I've changed the way that I'm praying for revival and spiritual awakening. I used to ask God to pour your spirit out upon us. Lord, fill us with all that you are. And the Lord reminded me one day, I already have. In fact, he reminded me that, Jimmy, you're praying for what you already have. I can't give you more because you already have me. The day you were born again, I took up residence. In fact, I changed your name. In fact, you have my DNA now. It's just like you're a son. I'm the son of J.D. and Shirley Pruitt, and I have their DNA in me. I am born as son of that family. I can never change that DNA. No matter what I do, I can't alter that. I will always be a Pruitt. I can technically and legally change my name, but that doesn't change the fact that their DNA is in me. When I am born again, it's the same thing. When I became a follower of Jesus, stepped over the line, Jesus said, you must be born of the Spirit. In John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, when I was born again, I was now changed. My DNA is now his. The Bible says he takes up residence in me, he in me, and I in him. Every time I take communion, I'm reminded of that. And here's the thing. Now, everywhere I go, he goes. And now, my identity is son of the Most High God. I'm a son of a king. You know what that makes us? It makes us royalty. You know what that makes us? It makes us his own. And because we're that, we now have a story to tell. And so no matter what's going on in your life, if you are a child of God and you've been born again, that is your identity, not your circumstances, not what you're going through in this particular season of life. Because as you know, seasons change just like a West Texas thunderstorm. They come and they go. So never settle in and not define yourself by the current situation that you're in. Or don't define yourself by your past. Because that's not who you are anymore. You've come a long way, baby. You remember that? You've come a long way. That is not who you are. You're not at the finish line yet, but you're not where you started. Amen? So we're on the journey together, and our identity now is in Christ. And that is what we bring to this thing. We have been given authority because we are sons and daughters of God. So he says this, I'm conferring authority upon you. And here's what you're to do. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what do we do? We read the red and we pray for the power, right? We read the words of Jesus that this is what he taught us to do. But here's what's amazing about the Lord. He's continuing to teach us. The God who spoke still speaks. 
The Jesus who taught still teaches. He's teaching us along the journey. That's called a relationship, right? The day you got married wasn't the day you ceased to talk to one another, I hope. <laughs> hey, I got her. Woohoo! Uh, she knows I love her. And if I ever share needs, no. Yeah, she just knows. Uh, if I ever change it, I'll let her know. It's, I've heard that kind of stuff. It's like, no, no, no. We continue the journey. We continue the relationship. We continue to grow as people. Amen? So he says this. I have commanded you, and surely I will, I am with you always. Do you know he'll never leave you or forsake you? I had a conversation with a, with a brother today who was afraid that the Holy Spirit was coming and going in his life. I said, I said, does your DNA change every time he leaves? I said, you're a son of God. And is the Holy Spirit that fragile that just because you're having a bad day, he leaves you? Because the Holy Spirit's not a sparrow. He's not one of those little finches that when you walk out on the back porch, they're flying everywhere just because you, oh, you, you made a bobble or something and suddenly he's gone. He said he will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He says, here, I am with you how often? Always. Always. Why? Because you can't change your DNA. You're born again. Isn't that awesome to know? Only thing that changes is our fellowship, not our relationship. You need to get that. I heard Robert Morris say this a number of years ago. Blew my mind. I was like, yes, this is that. That makes sense. I'll never lose my relationship with him, but my fellowship can suffer through my willful sin, my disobedience, my unwillingness to walk with him, my unwillingness to be quick to obey and do what he says. That will suffer. That sense of well-being, that sense of peace. But he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me, even on my worst day. Amen? So you need to know you're secure in him. And this is the story we bring to the world and say, hey, there's hope. This is good. Jump in. The water is fine. Come on in. Come on in. Amen? Amen. Now listen to this. Chapter 11, lesson 1. And I love this. This is actually one of our core values. Everyone is a minister. Everyone. Where? Wherever you live, wherever you work, and wherever you play. You are a minister of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you take him everywhere you go. I told that brother I was talking to today, I said, you do know that everywhere you go, you are taking Jesus with you. And he was like, ooh, you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's a heavy revy. I said, yeah. Everywhere you go, he's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Where you live, where you work, and where you play, you bring him with you. Just because you're not conscious that he's with you doesn't mean he's not. Remember, your DNA doesn't change because you decide to go somewhere. You don't leave him at home. You can't. Because he's in you and you're in him, right? But isn't it much more enjoyable and much more life-giving to be aware of that and to live aware? You know what it brings? It brings the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy. We need to talk a lot more about that one. Christians should be the most happy people on the planet, not dragging your faith around like a ball and chain. Oh, it's so hard following Jesus. It's so tough. It's so difficult. And I'm like, man, where would you be if it wasn't for Jesus? Where would you be? Where would your life be? Would you even be alive? Would you even have survived it? I'm surprised I survived my teenage years the way we drove back in the day. My dad gave me a rocket for a car, 69 Chevelle Supersport. I mean, it's like, Dad, you have a death wish for your child? Don't ever give your kid, your 14-year-old, that kind of car. But he had his hand on me even before I knew him. You know why? Because he saw the end from the beginning and he knew what was coming. Oh, it's 
so many stories popping in my mind. We're, we're going to get like three slides into this today. Here we go. Number one, what ministry has God given to each believer? 2 Corinthians 5, 18. I love 17 too. But 18 says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, the reconciliation piece means he's brought us back together. We were separated from God, but because of Jesus, remember the little thing I did? Jesus became the bridge. The cross became the bridge. That was a lot of what factored into us naming the church bridge. Because the bridge is the cross, and we, get it, we go across the bridge to get back reconciled with God. That means reconnected, right? So he says this, all this is of God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So we go across the bridge. We go, we, we go across the cross. We go through the cross to get to, Je to get to Jesus, to get to God. And look what it says. He gave us now the ministry of reconciliation, which means now we have the privilege of taking others and saying, hey, let me show you what's amazing. And before I tell you how amazing our church is, don't get caught up in that. I want to show you how amazing Jesus is. We get so caught up in churches and all that. When we think, oh man, our church is the best. Woohoo! I don't, please don't do that. Every church, how many churches are there in this town? There is one church. We happen to meet in a lot of different locations, but there is one body. When God looks down on Fredericksburg, he sees one church. And we can't ever get prideful. Proud of our family, proud of who we are. Yes, absolutely, celebrate that. But not prideful that we're above or more than somebody else. Could I get an amen? amen. Boy, God is, that pride is a stench in his nostrils. You know what I'm saying? So we never, we never, we always celebrate what God's doing at, at Holy Ghost Lutheran. We celebrate what God's doing at St. Mary's. We celebrate what God's up to at Hill Country Bible Church. We celebrate and be, we should be their biggest fans. And if we hear that something amazing's happening over there, we should be going, yes, go, go. It's your turn to, to lead the trail. It's your turn to trailblaze. It's your turn to lead the way. And we'll get in and catch your draft. And you know, there may be a time when it's our turn to lead. And man, hopefully they'll get in and catch ours. And together we move this kingdom ball down the field. Steve? In Hebrews, God says, I resist the proud. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It means I come against you in full military array. Oh. I wasn't doing too good with Satan. Can you imagine if <laughs> God has to over hell, Wow. No way. no way, Jose. Yeah, no way. Wow. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Remember what the word grace means? God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's authority. And God's favor to do what we cannot in and of ourselves do. That's the grace. That is the manifold grace of God at work in our lives. Amen? He says he gives that to the humble, but to the proud, he comes against you in full battle array. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, good word. Thank you, Steve. Number two, listen to this. What message has God committed to us, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Remember, we go through Christ to get back to him. Not counting men's sins against them. Somebody should say amen. amen. Did you blow it this week or am I the only one? You know what I got mad at today? We got a new printer at home. 
oh man, it would not connect to the internet for nothing. I'm like, I'm wasting my life doing this. I'm serious. I was so frustrated. And the Lord's just like laughing at me going, really? Pull it together. So, I mean, it, it could be anything, right? Even something silly like that. But I mean, listen, he doesn't count our sins against us. And here's what's really powerful. Jesus didn't come to just get us forgiven of sins. He, gave, he came to empower us to overcome sin. Right. Sin is no longer our master. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let that Revy settle in. You're actually empowered to not have to. Yeah, it's strong, isn't it? Listen to this. He said, not counting men's sins against them. And he is committed to us. Here it is again. Remember he said ministry of reconciliation? That's the service of ministration or the administration of reconciliation. That's what that means. Now he's saying he's committed us to the message of reconciliation or the word of, of reconciliation. That means we have within us the ability to point people to Jesus and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not a way, a truth, and a life. And you only come to the Father through Jesus Christ. That is what we get to help people understand. And in a world right now that's losing its mind, am I the only one watching the news right now? I can only stomach so much of it. I mean, honestly, I'm not lying. Today, I felt grief in my heart as I was praying for the schools. Because it is no longer safe to be in a school. With the school shootings, the, the mall shootings, everything that's happened, it's like there's an escalation right now in our world. And I, we need to be in prayer, not only for the, that they would be blessed, that they have a great, but they'd be safe. And when did I think I would ever have to pray that for our schools? Oh, God, please don't let there be a shooting or a bomb or whatever. I mean, and so it's like the world's losing. So, even more do we need to get this message on our, on our tongues. Get this message to people because Jesus, this sounds cliche, but he really is the only answer. He is the only answer, the only hope. There is no other hope. This, this idea that, you know, I'm going to go and, and I'm going to uh, speak my own truth. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That sounds good on a, on, a, on a text thing on Instagram, but let me just say something. It's not your truth you need to be talking about. It's his truth that we need to be speaking. I'm not talking some old school religious thing. I'm talking about the truth of the word of God, that he is life. In him is hope. In him is the answer. In him is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm talking about a life that not only brings you freedom, but it brings you joy. When you can walk into Walmart with a smile on your face, not worried somebody's going to ding your car in the parking lot. I mean, you should go in full of life and joy because you know how good God is. Amen? That's what that brings. That's what this reconciliation brings. And he's committed this message or given the message to us, and he's done it with authority. Number five, if you're following along, what does it mean for us to be Christ's ambassadors? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Did you catch that? We represent. That's what an ambassador does. I like to say it this way. We re-present Jesus. We don't just represent, but we re-present him. And then we re-present him again. And then we present him again. And we share the good news of who Jesus Christ is. We share the hope that we find in Christ. 
We share and we say the reason why we're passionate, the reason why we worship with enthusiasm and excitement is not because we want everybody to see us. Hey, hey, hey. It's like, no, we're not waving anybody down. We're so full of Jesus and we're so grateful and there's so much life coming out of us, we can't help but worship with enthusiasm. We can't help but be excited about this thing. Listen, I, I came to know Christ. You know, I told the story about being in sixth grade. That was sort of my introduction to Jesus, but it wasn't until 19 that it, that it took. You know, all those years I bobbled around. I was like, yeah, I met him, but I didn't really know him. I didn't get to know him until then. And when that happened, my life completely shifted. And it was such a massive shift for me as a young person that I couldn't not be excited. I couldn't not be grateful because I know what he saved me from. I'd lived enough life and been involved in enough stuff to know that I was being saved out of some mess. No, I don't even like talking about that stuff, but what I'm saying is this, is that I was so radically transformed by the gospel and so radically transformed by my relationship with Jesus that that was a starting point for me. And it wasn't like, I'm really excited, and now over time, life happens, and I'm getting more jaded, and more junk happens, and things don't work out, and I'm more disappointed. And so I'm just diminishing in my excitement, because don't get too excited, because if you don't get excited, you won't be disappointed. You ever heard that? Well, don't get your hopes up, because I say to somebody tell me one time, hey, you, man, you preach, you're too excited, you're getting people's hopes up. And I'm like, yeah. I thought that was my call. That's, that's kind of, that's all my job description, you know, from God. It's like, yes, get people excited. Yes, get your hopes up. Yes, blow the dust off of those dreams. Start dreaming again. Yeah, absolutely. Jerry? A key fundamental to being a representative of somebody or an ambassador yeah. is you subordinate yourself. You put them first. So it's no longer operative. It no longer controls you whether you So you're no longer speaking your truth, you're speaking his, because you represent him. And you're acting, but you're, you know, you're walking the walk as well. Yes. So you don't feel like it when you're walking into Walmart and a hurry and stuff. You remember, this ain't about me. That's right. When you're, if you're cognizant of representing something else, you act differently. That's a good word. That is so on, Jerry. I think God delights in divine interruptions. I don't know. Uh, catching you at your worst moment, your off moment, when your guard's down and it's like all of a sudden it's right there in your face. And you have a choice. You're faced with a choice. Do I minister? Do I bring life? Or do I just keep walking? Keep moving? No, no. He's brought something to you. And you think, well, I'm not in the mood right now. I'm not, I'm not on my best day. And it doesn't matter. Because we walk by faith and not by sight anyway. So it doesn't matter how I feel. What matters is what's right. And what matters is the mandate that I'm stepping into. The mission I'm stepping into. I heard Craig Rochelle say this at the Global Leadership Summit. He said, you're one step away into your destiny. You're one step away. You step out of doubt. You step out of insecurity. You're one step out of that. One step. 
Because he's talking about when he preaches, when early on, when he, I mean, he pastors one of the largest churches in the world right now. But when he was a young preacher starting out, he said, I was so shy. I was so insecure. I was scared to death. Why does anybody want to hear what I have to say? And he began to realize, so he does a thing. If you ever watch Craig Rochelle, um, Life Church, Oklahoma City, they're everywhere. He literally, when he gets up on the stage, he, he gave his secret away. He said, if you'll watch me, he said, I always take a big step forward. He said, you know what I'm doing? In my mind, I'm stepping out of my doubt. I'm stepping out of my insecurity. I'm stepping out of fear. And I'm stepping into my call. I'm stepping into my destiny. I'm stepping into the role that God has given me to play in this moment. And I'm stepping out of something, stepping into it. And it's one step. One step away. And what's interesting, I do a little thing every Sunday. I did it four times this last Sunday. Every time during worship, at some point, I will pause in my worship and I'll look up to the, to the sky. And I'll just look up in the rafters or whatever. And I'll say, I was born for this. I was created for this moment. Father, you designed me. I'm in my lane. I'm running in the center of my lane. I'm in the center of your will. And I'll speak life over my own spirit. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. Is that not the message of Jesus? I've called you. I've got you. You're created for this. You have a destiny on your life. And you speak those words over you. And I'm telling you, by the time I walk up here, I'm ready to charge the gates of hell with a super soaker. Let's go. I mean, I'm no fear. Let's just get after it. Why? Because I've already spoken and my faith is expanded to that. Because when I step up here, I represent Jesus. I represent him. When you grasp that concept with the presence of the Holy Spirit, you no longer have to worry about your insecurities, your, your right. lack of eloquence, or your lack of Bible knowledge. Those things are, are no longer obstacles. None of it matters. Most people are not going to remember what a person said, but they will remember the passion with which you said it. They'll remember the sincerity, the authenticity, the heart that came through it. And really... At the end of the day, that's what connects with people. Sometimes a lot more than the content itself. Steve? There's a tremendous importance in the word ambassador. Mm. Literally, it means you represent a king in the court of another. We represent the king in the court of Satan in this world. The thing about it, once you're under, you're an ambassador, you have Mm -hmm. I worked in embassies and I have carried diplomatic passports. That means their law has no impact. I know. They can't arrest you. They can't stop you. They can't how did you. How did that make you feel, Steve, knowing that you were actually, in a sense, lawless, in a sense, unbound? I mean, did, it, did you feel a huge responsibility, a weight on you for that? No, I know. There's almost a fear that comes along with that. Speak to the devil. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> so we are ambassadors for Christ, and Satan's authority does not impact on us. He has no hold upon us. Come on. We carry, we carry the heat. Do you remember what in Colossians, we just talked about this in our Identified series, that he has disarmed principalities and powers. Do you get that? We, we, we run around and act like the devil's got power. 
He has been defanged. The only power he has is that of deception and the lie. That's his original sin. That's his original thing. He's gone back to what he knows, but he has no authority. Why? Because Jesus took the keys. He took the keys, death, hell, and the grave, and the kingdom, and now he's given us the keys to the kingdom. He's saying, now go. As you were going, disciple the nations. Amen. Do you think he would tell us to do that if he didn't empower us to do it? But here's the problem. We all think, oh, well, little old me, I don't have any influence. He didn't say go win the world. He said go win your world. In other words, who do you have influence with? Who do you, who is in your relational orbit? That's who you're responsible for. Not a whole world, but can you imagine if all of us simply took responsibility for our own orbit, however large or small that may be. For somebody like Max Lucado, that's pretty massive. For somebody like us, it may not be, but it doesn't matter. I'm not responsible for his orbit. I'm responsible for what God has brought into mind. Does that make sense? And because of that gravitational pull and people in my life, now I have a responsibility to represent and be an ambassador for Christ to them. Does that make sense? So I'm on social media a lot. I leverage that because I believe it is a massive tool for the kingdom. And so I leverage it constantly. I put work into it. I'm serious about it. And I'm telling you, the repercussions and the conversations I have with people are mind-bending. And the doors that open because I take the time to be intentional to leverage something that's out there for the kingdom. And he's all, all he's asking is for to find your tribe, find your sphere of influence, and then for Jesus, represent and be an ambassador. Amen? With the good news. Listen to this. This is in that chapter 11, lesson 2 on boldness. For many believers in the first century and many believers around the world today, preaching the gospel costs something. Maybe a relationship with a friend or family member. Maybe their livelihood. Many were imprisoned, physically abused, or even killed because they refused to be silent about their faith. I don't know if you remember, but Paul in the book of Acts was in prison and wrote the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians from a prison cell for preaching the gospel. In this lesson, we will explore how the early believers responded to such persecution. I'm going I'm to go quickly through this part because I want us to get to something. Under the threat of persecution, this is number one, what did the disciples pray for? Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to, here's what he said, speak your word with great boldness. They prayed for courage. They prayed for the ability to be bold in the face of persecution and even loss of life. It was a very volatile culture, a lot more volatile than ours right now. So under the threat of death and persecution, they prayed for boldness. What were the results of their prayer? Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Can you imagine that prayer meeting? Oh, Lord, give us, give us that. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed for it. They did it. They activated what they were praying for. They stepped out. They stepped out of fear and they stepped into their destiny. They, they activated what, what they prayed for. Number seven, let's skip it on down. Paul requested prayers that he might preach the gospel in what manner? In Ephesians 6, 19, he says this, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Does anyone remember what the mystery of the gospel is? Colossians. 
There it is, Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what he's talking about. I want to make this known, that Christ himself wants to take up residence in your life and become your joyful, confident expectation of his presence in this world. That's what an ambassador is. You represent, you become the very presence of that person. You represent. And see how all this ties together? We break down the language, and all of a sudden the Bible starts to make sense. He says this, for which I am, am an ambassador at that point in chains. Remember, he wrote the book of Ephesians from a jail cell. That's why he's saying this. He's in chains at this point. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. How many steps are we out of fear? One step out. One step away. One step away into boldness. One step away. Step into courage. Step out of fear. Step out of insecurity. Amen? Listen to this. Number three, what did Jesus come to do? Luke 4, I love this passage. Because what he came to do, he conferred upon us. Do you understand that? In other words, what he came to do, he says, I want you to do. And he even said this in another passage, even greater works than you will, that you will do than I did. He says, even greater things, even greater works. Listen to this, Luke 4, 18. This is pretty amazing. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach Good news to the poor. If you're poor, what would be good news? You're not poor no more, right? Come on. Why are we so afraid to say it? He's got good news for those who are poor. Listen to this. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Freedom. Anybody want a little freedom? Absolutely. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. You're free. Free indeed. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Recovery of the sight for the blind, we pray every week. And almost every time I pray before a group, I say, Lord, open our eyes that we may see. Why? Because he's promised to do it. Remember about what we said about when you pray the word of God, you're praying the will of God? See, when I lean into that, I believe he's opening our eyes. Amen? Look at this. To release the oppressed... And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isn't that beautiful? It's actually out of the book of Isaiah. It was a prophecy about the Son. And he's saying, this is that. Steve? That oppressed means the spiritually demonic oppressed. Absolutely. The enemy has all the ways to keep us in despair, and doubt, fear, uh, hopelessness. That is oppression by the demonic The message of Christ has come to give us not a spirit of fear, but the spirit of that's right. Let, yeah, and let me just bounce off of that, Steve, if you mind. And I had this ask me this week. I, an individual looked me in the eyes and just despair and said, is it possible for me to be demonically possessed? I said, are you a child of God? He said, yes. I said, are you born again? I said, yes. I said, no way. I said, you ever seen light and darkness dwell in the same spot? You think a truth and a lie can occupy the same space? And that's when I launched into this talk about the DNA. I said, you have the DNA of your father God in you. You're a child of the king. Just because you don't feel it right now doesn't mean you're not. That's right. The truth is not contingent on how you feel or what you believe. The truth is the truth. And the truth is this. If you're born again, you are his. He takes up residence in you. Do you think the enemy can occupy the same space that the Holy Spirit and the presence of God himself occupies? Hello? 
That's not even, follow the logic train. And I said, you, my friend, are not possessed. Are you harassed? Have you believed some lies? If you believe lies, you'll manifest out of your life behaviors that represent those. So we need to deal with these lies and get the truth back in you. We need to get the Word of God back in you. Why? So you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think. So let's work on that. And well, even just saying that, he was like, well, then I know I'm not. I'm good. I said, yes, you are. Now you need to begin to declare that over your own life when you have those moments of despair and those moments when you feel like this isn't going to work or this isn't working for me. You say, in the name of Jesus, this is working for me. Why? Because that's the truth. Don't buy the lie. Don't allow the lie in. Amen? You can never allow a lie to have authority over our life or we will actually lean into and manifest it as though it was true, even though it's not. Remember, the enemy has been defanged. Amen? It's like a cat that's had its claws removed. <laughs> that cat can go all over you and just like, hey, come here, baby. I mean, it's just no fear. There's nothing to be afraid of. Let me say that again. There is nothing to be afraid of. Tomorrow I'm going to someone's house who believes that their house has got some haunting stuff going on. I cannot wait to go in there and blow that myth up. Because it's a lie. And all this person needs is some discipleship. But, you know, they're hearing things go bump in the night and all that. I'm like, listen, that's parlor tricks on the enemy's part. Come on, there is no authority in that. But there's one night, and I'll just tell this real quickly. There's one night when, when I felt a presence walk in our room in the middle of the night. It was when we lived in uh, Southern California. And I felt, there, it, was, it was literally, I heard footsteps. I felt a presence. There, the, there was enough light. You know how at night when you still see in the dark, even though it's dark, our house, we were in the neighborhood and there were lights and stuff. And I could see, and there was nothing there that I could see, but I certainly felt it. I got, you ever get the heebie-jeebies? You know what I'm talking about? It's hard to explain, but it's like that thing goes up on your neck. And that was happening. And, and literally, I heard it go around the edge of the bed, and then it sat on the bed, and the bed compressed. And you know what I did? I said out loud, not too loud, I didn't want to wake and freak out a net. I said, really? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, really? That's what you got? I, was, I just laughed. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, go. And it left, and I went back to sleep. Got up the next morning. I'm going, honey, did you hear anything last night? Because you know, see if you know, she heard or felt it. Nothing. But that's, not, that's happened more than once in our life. But listen, there is nothing to fear. Right. Nothing to fear. He is a liar. I love that song, Fear is a Liar. You ever hear that? Boy, you need to sing along with that. Yes, sir. I've had the same thing happen to Jane and I. And all you just, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. <laughs> you know, Jesus said in Luke 10, after his disciples came back, praying and they cashed out of his he says, I have given you exousia. Yes, authority. No, no, there's no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. Are we loved by the Father? Is agape love, perfect love in us, on us, upon us? Absolutely. That means fear cannot dwell in that place. We have to constantly, here's the thing, we have to constantly remind ourselves. We have to re-remind ourselves of the truth 
because the enemy is so good at sneaking in lies and insecurity and fears. But he is a liar. Make no mistake. Amen? All right, quickly. Move quickly. Here we go. Uh, what did Jesus come to do? Look at verse 20, Luke 4. Then he rolled up the scroll. This is right after he said that. Gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Talk about dramatic pause. Jesus just says, he reads this prophecy about the Messiah, and he's about to say, and I'm here. I mean, literally, this is like a big dramatic pause. He rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendant. I've been in a Jewish service, and these scrolls are huge, by the way, and they treat them with high respect and dignity. And boy, I mean, they take care of them. They, they have people that are assigned to take care of the scrolls. They roll them out. They take them over to this beautiful cabinet, ornate, and they, man, I mean, just take care of them. They last for centuries. And, they, and he takes the scroll, rolls it up, gives it back to the attendant, and then Jesus sits down, and look at, the, look at the story unfolds. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They're like, uh, what is he about to say? And he's got, apparently it's a pretty dramatic pause in the moment, right? You can feel the tension in the air, right? Come on, put ourselves in the Bible story. This isn't a flannel graph and velvet little characters. These are real people in a real scenario with somebody who just basically said, this is me. He's declaring it and they're going, what is he going to say next? So the atmosphere was electric with tension. And he says this. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Man, that is like a bomb going off. He just dropped a heavy revy on them. He blew their minds. Now, the result was they were like ripping their robes and screaming and blasphemer. I mean, he was literally saying, I am the Messiah. And they're like, no, you're not. You're a kid from Nazareth. You're a carpenter's son. And I mean, there is no way that God would bring a Messiah in your form because you're a nobody. But isn't that funny how God likes to take the foolish to confound the wise? Amen. Listen, if you're average, you should be fired up because you are the best thing for God to use to do the spectacular if you think you're ordinary, you're perfect material for God to use. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, sorry, you'll have what you have. But I'm telling you, God's looking for ordinary people, average people who will say, use me, Lord. Here am I. Send me. What do you want to do through me? Lord, give me a God idea. Give me a God dream. Blow the dust off my heart. I, what do you want me to do? And you are the person God wants to use. You don't think you're good looking. You don't think you have enough money. You don't think you have enough position. You're in a perfect position to be used. Because no one will go, well, it's because they bought it. Well, it's because they've got money and position and, and social status. And it'll be, oh, that's God. Ed. Pastor, the next page of the Bible, Mark 117, his first words to two very ordinary people were, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So oh. that's the Beautiful. Yeah. That's exactly right. These guys were mending nets. These guys were fishermen. They stunk. They, this is what they did for a living. This is blue-collar, hard-working, down-to-earth, rough around the edges. And God says, I choose you. Jesus chose them. By the way, in the rabbinic, the rabbinic tradition... 
the rabbinic tradition, it, the, the whole culture was built around rabbis who were teachers, who would teach the law. They'd teach the Torah to, to their disciples. And their disciples were kids. They were 12, 13 years of age, bar mitzvah. And here they were learning and memorizing the scripture day in and day out. And they would walk around with a rabbi and follow around. But students would petition a rabbi, and then the rabbi had to accept them into his circle. So, like, if there were certain rabbis that were very well-known and very esteemed, and if you could get with that rabbi and walk with him and be taught by him, man, that was like, oh, boy, you're going you're gonna to get a great position at the wall. I mean, you're going you're gonna to make your parents proud. It was, a, it was their culture. Jesus was a rabbi, but did you know this? No one petitioned Jesus. Jesus petitioned them. He went to them and said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus flipped the script on the whole tradition. And he called his own disciples. He chose them. He's still choosing them. Exactly. The scripture says in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Fruit that will remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. See, that's the thing. He chose us. That's why the scripture says we have the spirit of adoption. He chose us. We're spiritually birthed because he drew us. No man can come to the Father unless he's first drawn to and by the Father. Book of John tells us. So all that fits together to say this. He chose us. He chose us. This, I decided to follow Jesus. That doesn't wash. It's a great bumper sticker. Remember that back in the 60s and 70s? Everyone ever cars, you know. Jesus is my co-pilot. Wrong. He is the pilot. <laughs> not your co-pilot. He's not helping you along. You're lucky to even be on the plane. I'm just saying. You remember those? It's so funny. The theology is out there on bumper stickers. Come on. I'm just like, ah, just cringing constantly. He's not your co-pilot. He's, he's, he made the plane. I had a dream. Jesus was driving the car, and I was tied in the back seat. <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> trying to keep you from grabbing the wheel. Oh, that's funny. If you were in the front seat, you'd be stomping that floorboard, wouldn't you? He's just like, stop. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. All right, we're going to land the, land the plane. Oh, there's so much we didn't get to tonight. Really, the, it's all good. It's all life. I think we're good on time. We only have one more chapter. I think I may split this because this is worth talking about. Because what we need to talk about is this, that if we are called to share the gospel... We better make darn sure we're empowered to do so. And so we're going to talk about signs, miracles, and wonders and their place in evangelism and why we even address it. Why, why do some people say those stopped? Why do some people say, well, that doesn't really happen anymore? What happened? Where did we decide we don't need to be empowered to do the gospel? And why did we decide for ourselves that signs will no longer follow us as we believe? What the signs were for were to empower the witness of the gospel. That has not changed. What has changed is us, not the scripture. So we're going we're gonna to go there. So next week, if you want to come back, we're going to go down that road, signs, miracles, and wonders. And basically, you know, signs and wonders, signs make you wonder. That's what they do. They make you wonder. They open our eyes to the possibility of something more. Does that make sense? So we'll go there next week. Let's pray, and then let's run over here and, and love on these kids for a little bit. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you are teaching us what it means to put the go back in the gospel.
<coughs> Father, we have the privilege of representing Jesus as ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Christ. As if, Lord, we are literally as if Christ is pleading through us. What a privilege that we get to carry the ministry, the message, and the word of reconciliation. Father, I pray that you would ignite a fire in our hearts to believe that you can take us, average, ordinary people, and you can touch us and Lord, we will have the privilege of watching you do extraordinary and above average works that will change the world. It'll change our world, our orbit, our sphere of influence. Father, even as we go from this place, we don't have to wait next week to be empowered. We don't have to wait another moment to be so captivated by your presence. So I'm asking, Father, as a favor for all of my friends here and anyone who watches this online, I'm asking as a favor, would you open our eyes to see the power that already dwells within us, the authority that has already been conferred upon us, the exousia, the authority that is already at work, the dunamis, the power, even what it literally means, the power for working miracles. It's already here. Would you open our eyes and awaken us to truth and to what already is, that we are already packing heat. We don't need more. We have all. We have everything we need. Everything we, we need for life and for godliness, the scripture tells us. We are complete in him. Thank you for that. Now open our eyes to that truth. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen.